This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T E N O F F for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us. Before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who has joined the Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can join the Everything Went Black Patreon. For $5 a month, you get early access to all of these episodes, plus all the bonus content. Thank you very much. It's a growing community. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's been cool interacting with everyone. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun making the bonus content. A lot of good stuff up there. Before we get into the episode, I want to thank our brethren out there. That would be Into the Necrosphere, Horror Wolf 666, and Iblis Manifestations. Check all those shows out once you have completed this episode of Everything Went Black. Also, if you're a big fan of horror, go out and check out Necromaniacs, another weekly podcast that I co-host with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. This week on Everything Went Black, we have Paul Aloisio of Restless Spirit. We just wrapped up a bunch of dates together. Uh, firstly, we went out on the road with Cloak for a bunch of East Coast shows. And I'd like to thank everyone who came out to that. And then we uh, did one last local show with Evokin at the Kingsland in Brooklyn. A lot of fun. Paul's a good dude. We uh, bonded over the last few days of the tour, uh, being uh, just uh, jerk-offs from the East Coast, which is always a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, Paul's also coincidentally a huge horror fan. So enjoy the episode, and I'll talk to you guys later. So how does it feel uh, to be back from tour and back in the real world? Uh, Double-edged sword, you know? It's yeah. like... First of all, you can relax, but you get so into the zone of, you know, like playing, staying busy every night. And then there's always like, I'm such a homebody. Like, I hate leaving. I, I hate being outside of my house and doing stuff. Which is <laughs> 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 like, why did I choose to do this with my life? But um, it's like a necessary evil because I love playing music, you know, so I don't know. It's pretty good. I, I I just can't make up my mind about certain things like that. I guess you know it's like I can't win either which way. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that, man. I'm 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 sort of a homebody uh, as well. I definitely do not like being around people as much, you know, as some other people do. I'm not very social, but I do love being on the road and having adventures and you know being around people that at least I you know I like and you know enjoy being around. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, like, obviously, and I'm sure you feel the same way, but, like, you know, playing music is the best thing in the world. Yeah. So without that, you know, I always say, like, yeah, I just, like, sort of make it for myself, and I don't really care. But at the same time, if that was, like, really true, I'd probably never leave. <laughs> and i really just sit home on my computer making music for myself. So there's definitely, like, a line that uh, there's a there's a balance to it, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you bring up because uh, 
you know, over the over the years of making music, I used to say that all the time. Like, oh yeah, I just make music for myself. And that's only about 75% true. Because uh, like you said, if I really was making it for myself, I would never release anything. I would just make demos and hang out in front of my computer or four track or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing when you think about that and you really dig deep into the psychology of like what what we actually do with our time and you know the getting getting feedback from people and, and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, cuz cuz if you didn't care, then you'd have a bad set, you know, and or you'd see people not into it and you'd be like, "Yeah, I don't care." You know. You, you wouldn't like like, "Oh, look at this sick shot that someone got of yeah. the band afterwards." So there's definitely like a degree, I think, of like anyone that performs of like a little bit of like, I would say benign narcissism, um, where it's like you, you're allowing people to like pay to see you perform and watch you. And I don't know why, um, like I can't really describe why I do it. And I think like a lot of people are the same, but I think like if you really get down to like, you know, the brass tacks, it's sort of like. Well, you you do actually care. Absolutely. Instead of that whole, like, oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I've interacted with people in various bands over the years who would have that sort of uh, take on it. They would, you know, lie to themselves, essentially, and be like, oh, I don't care. But then they would have this kind of, like, weird defeatist attitude, and it's almost like some... And I'm speaking about a very specific person who I will not name because someone listening out there might know who I'm talking about. But this person, um, yeah, they, they uh, almost in a self, like they sabotage themselves by saying that they don't care on oh, this and that and like what I do. But they, at the end of the day, they probably care more than most people do about what people think of them and how they perceive their, their creative endeavors. You know, so it, it really is like we're, we're, we're in like a, a field filled with uh, bizarre psychopaths and <laughs> you know, <laughs> sociopathic people and that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, no, seriously. If you want to meet like some of the craziest people in the world, just start a band. <laughs> but well, no, you know, like I, I, I definitely do care what people think. Like when we get out there, you, you want to connect with people in some way. You know, it doesn't need to be like, you know, uh, flowers in your hair and holding hands, but still you know, like connecting on some sort of level or just just stay home if you really don't care. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, performing live, uh, I really, really enjoyed being on the road with you guys. That was awesome. You know, we, we just wrapped up this short run of dates with you guys. Uh, we've both been home for maybe, you know, two weeks at this point. And, um, and, you know, I saw you guys last weekend. We played with the Vulcan. And it was just really cool to get to know you guys, man. So I'd like to, you know, thank you um for accompanying us on this tour oh yeah dude well thank you because when when uh it was brought up to do this run with you guys i was like absolutely and it's like cool to like you know we've been playing to literally like three people for the majority of us being in a band so <laughs> to like actually go out and like play with other bands we like and people we could like talk to and really respect which is a big thing you know sometimes you go out with a band or you're playing with a band. You're just like, these guys are assholes. Like <laughs> their music is cool, but they're assholes. You know, like we didn't really feel like that with you at all. So. Well, thanks man. You know, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, 
Whenever you team up with a band that's from the Northeast and specifically from uh, maybe the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, there is like this immediate uh, kinship, you know, maybe it's because we all have the same sense of humor or the same inappropriate, you know, we say all the same inappropriate things to each other and it's like uh, an instant identification, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. And it's also like a lot of times you'll be on, on the road with a band for like a couple of weeks and you're just like starting to get to know them. But I felt like within a couple of days, you're like, all right, these are like my kind of people. This is what we want to be doing. You know, like you guys are like jerks in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Cloak was awesome too, man. I, I actually really, um, I, I was a fan of theirs before the tour and, um, I saw them play with 1349 a few years ago and, uh, yeah, it was just like a few months before the lockdown. And, um, you know, I, I hadn't really heard of them. I just knew that they were on Season of Mist and, you know, we were on Season of Mist. And we toured with 1349 a couple times and I wanted to hang out with those guys. And I caught Cloak and they were they were great. They were just, you know, like a hard rocking, like black metal. They had the whole aesthetic down and they they were really good guys to be on the road with as well. Oh, definitely. I got like total, like my favorite albums from Immortal vibes from them. And it was also cool because, you know, we like musically, we don't really like fit in with either of you guys. But at the same time, I feel like we do because we're kind of versatile. So I, I think like anyone going to the shows would probably be like pleasantly surprised to have a good mix of just like metal for the night. Oh, totally, man. Definitely. So how, how long has um, Restless Spirit been together? And where, how did you guys all meet? I know you guys are all from Long Island. You know, that's uh, one thing you guys all have in common, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone thinks we're brothers, but we're not. It's just we're all, like, chubby and have brown hair and beards. <laughs> You're like the Ramones or something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've known Mark since preschool. Mark, the bass player. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's just been, like, we've just been destined to be together our whole lives like whatever we do we're always doing it together for better or for worse and then uh gusmo our drummer his real name is john but don't tell anyone um <laughs> i don't know i i've known him from uh actually he played in a hardcore band with my brother and i used to have like crazy parties at my house all the time my mom was at home and so this is like younger and uh he would start coming around and then he wasn't really happy being in that band and you know, over the years we just stayed friends and we realized like we lot we liked a lot of the same music and so we just we started jamming and it just felt like super natural like you know when you you meet someone that you just really click with musically and it's like all right we we need to do this like forever like this is what we need to do it was just like super organic like that but we've been like jamming in one in this incarnation of like me and mark's musical journey since 2015 but we didn't really take it i guess like seriously with like industry stuff for a long time like we had a joke band in um like seventh grade seventh or eighth grade that we called it death metal pope because it sounded stupid and i drew a picture of a pope getting like run over by a steamroller <laughs> <laughs> and so that name was just like so like always in the back of our head it was like it's stupid it's funny but for some reason it was just like always there and we're i'm like always super bad at naming band names so i was like why don't we just 
use that name. Like it's dumb. It's funny. People will be like, why is your band named that? And then maybe check you out. So we did that for a couple of years. We recorded two EPs like that. And then it started getting in the way because like a dumb joke name can only get you so far. So we changed it to rest of spirit in uh, 2019. And my whole thing was like, dude, band names don't matter. Like we're making music that we think is good. People are going to like it. Band names don't matter. It was like the second we changed our name, people started taking it seriously. So like, all right, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I, I'll actually check out a band if I think they have a cool name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just got stupid. Like my whole thing was that like, let's let the music speak for itself. We'll let the artwork speak for itself. And it's just like a funny little dumb name. And, uh, it really got in the way. So like, I was just super hard headed about that for a bit. I was like, no, the name doesn't matter. We're keeping it. Mark felt the same. Gusmo felt the same. But then like, you know, we get like a review in like a metal magazine that this band is not death metal. Why did they choose this name? Or then people were like, this is a ghost ripoff. The name is a ghost ripoff. Like what is all these people talking about? They were only focusing on the dumb name. So we changed it. Um, and things just got way easier for us. <laughs> People actually uh, said it was a ghost ripoff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To, to me, the music has nothing in common with ghost at all. Not at all. But I guess because it had Pope in the name or something. I don't know. People are so it, obtuse, man. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, yeah. the lowest <laughs> common denominator. <laughs> Seriously. I, I mean, like, I don't know. I've always had a problem with like rock and like metal journalism, even like since I was a kid, like reading a lot of these like reviews and stuff. And like, dude, you're talking about heavy metal. Like I don't need a dissertation paper on it. Like you do the rocks or it doesn't. So, but like that, it, it's a necessary thing. Once again, like you sort of got to play the game a little bit. So I, once again, I was bad at, uh, making band names and i was playing skyrim and there was a quest about like restless spirits i was like that's cool we're using that and i think that that's actually a really cool intriguing name man because it makes me think of like you know not not, now forget i say anything about ghost but restless spirits makes me think of ghosts as in like the uh you know the the gothic horror like element you know what i mean not the band but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well that that's, and I think like you can interpret it a couple of ways. Cause I, there's like a, a positive meaning about like someone that really wants to like travel and do that, which is like, fine, whatever. That's clearly not me. Like I said in the beginning, <laughs> cause I don't like leaving my house, but, um, or you get the darker aspect, which I think is cool because like our music is not really focused on, we're never like, I want to like, create this kind of song. I want to do this kind of album. We sort of just, we just go our own way. And I like how you can interpret our music, interpret our music however you want. And you could also interpret the name like however you want. Like we don't care, it's up to you. I already said that I don't really care about the band name. So I'm not going to tell anyone how to feel about it. I tried that <laughs> with Death Metal Pope and it didn't work. So I give up. There's definitely a heavy blue. Like, if you were to ask me to describe you guys, and I think I actually have already described you guys as like basically a, a, a heavy rock band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like there's a blues. There's a very, very uh, distinctive blues thing going on. Uh, the vocals are, are have like, um, you know, more of like a rock 
element to it as opposed to like you know extreme metal like scream element you know and uh yeah yeah and there's a lot of like uh like songwriting involved so i think you know if i were to like someone said mike write 300 words about russell spirit that would be my my first paragraph basically i i mean i like that i agree with it the the funny thing about us is that like i always say like we don't seem to fit in everywhere anywhere but we also seem to fit in everywhere at the same time because you like i know there are a bunch of different elements to our music and it's because we don't go into it saying like oh i want to write this type of song it's like we are all huge fans of metal and, and rock music and uh, we just play like whatever is natural and i think when you're doing something like that and you're really for me at least when i'm not trying to accomplish like a certain goal i'm just trying to be authentic a lot of it comes from like our roots you know growing up listening to led zeppelin black sabbath obviously and we just like let our influences show so that's why we don't end up really coming out with you know like grindcore songs yeah um maybe we could if we sat down and tried to do it but the songwriting like you said to us is, is super important like we I was like, the one thing that I do want to do, I want to set out to do is write songs. Like I want, if someone picked up an acoustic guitar and like tried to, you know, transpose some of our songs and just like sitting around, you know, hanging out by themselves, singing out with one guy, you definitely could. Whereas like, you can't do that with a lot of more extreme forms of music. Not that there's anything wrong with that because I love extreme metal, but that's just not what we wanted to hear. We wanted to make, we wanted to make sort of, I guess you could say our goal would, would be to like remind you of the bands that, you know, you love growing up, like almost gateway bands, you know, like I love ACDC. I love, like I said, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. Like those are the kind of bands that will stick with you forever. So we just want to try and like capture that spirit in our music because that's what we listen to the most we're like a band like rush you know yeah. like those guys can all play but like they have songs real quick i caught during your set a couple of moments where uh you guys would have these like rush and ozzy little you know little flourishes you know what i mean like not like you were breaking these songs but the drums would do this little like you know like yeah. the beginning of over the mountain and stuff like that because, like, the first night in Providence, I was like, wait, did that dude just play the drum uh, fill to Over the Mountain by Ozzy? <laughs> it cracked me up, man. Yeah, no, he does that. Or, like, at the end of our set a lot, I'll just play the uh, the intro rip to Limelight. Yeah, yeah. No, and everyone, that, that'll just be, like, the last couple of notes. And everyone will be like, are they covering Rush right now? But then we just, like, stop. You know, we just want, we just, like, I, I don't know why we do it. It's, it's like we're not very serious when we play. We just want to like rock and have fun. And we want to try and, you know, if we are focused on one thing, it's that we want like the audience when they come to see us, be like, all right, this band rocks and they appreciate like metal and rock music. And that's cool. Well, the bands that you mentioned, especially ACDC, you know, those are obviously some of my favorite bands too. And I think most, it feels like those bands are timeless and no matter what age you are or or what point in your life that you enter into the the metal world or extreme music world 
because I do feel like metal and extreme music is for everyone, man. It's like a all it truly is an all ages thing. You know what I mean? Like all kinds of kids and you know people and grown grown adults, grown ass men are into it. And um, yeah, those are like universal favorites. And um, the other thing, one of the reasons why I think I like you guys so much too is um, is similar to those bands. Uh, they're about songwriting where more extreme bands are more about having just like a collection of sick parts. You know what I mean? And I had a conversation years and years ago with uh, my friend Evan Patterson, who um, he's in that band JJL, which is uh, people are, people seem to be really into that band. And I, it's brilliant. JJL is a brilliant band. And Evan is like a brilliant musician. And one time he said to me, that everyone writes these great songs, but they don't know how to end any of the songs. So he set out to actually have good endings to his songs. And I always keep that in the back of my mind when I check out bands I haven't seen before. And I think you guys actually have really good endings to your songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like that. I never thought about it, but I think that's that's true because when we write a song, it's sort of like, you know, I, I, I said we don't really set out to sound like any particular thing, but we want it to be a song. And I think that, you know, especially in like typical rock music or even like blues songs or anything with like an emotional, like heavier punch, like you want there to be like sort of a climax. You want it to be like a little a journey. There are a bunch of bands that we get lumped in with, um, like everyone for some reason, it, well, I, I shouldn't say for some reason, I can understand why they lump us in with like a lot of doom bands and stuff like that. And it's like, they have cool parts, but where I get lost is, you know, what, like what's truly memorable about this song past, you know, the five minutes that you're done listening to it. Like where, where, where are these songs taking me? If they're not like taking me on a journey, I sort of, you know, lose interest, but at the same end of the, uh, like on the other side of the coin, it, you know, you don't always need that. You know, for example, there's a lot of like really extreme songs where it's like the, the journey is just extremity. But for a band that's not as extreme like us, I feel like, yeah, the ending is super important or like a good bridge or a good chorus. We really like to focus on choruses. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. It's all about, you know, definitely like heavy songwriting, craftsmanship, you know, and I think that's what I appreciate about about all this stuff. I mean, you know, I, I listen to a lot of bands too that are just collection of parts and stuff too, but like yeah. the, the things that really resonate with me is like when there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and a bridge, and it's all done in a way that's, uh, you know, creative, and, and that's what I, you know, I really appreciate with, with uh, Restless Spirit, you know, and then also there's that, that ACDC rocking element to it, which is cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Definitely appreciate that. Cause you know, it's also, I, I will go on a tangent real quick, but Not I like talking to, uh, you know, people like you who, uh, you know, you play different music, but you have a very good understanding of, you know, music and, and you know, just like rock and metal, um, which it, it's definitely like refreshing to hear because you'll come up with some, something that, I'll be like, wow, I never really thought about that, but you're like completely right, you know? Um, I think like listening to people talk that you respect as musicians is also 
a very overlooked thing in our world these days. Everyone wants to tell you it is this way. And I'm, you know, and I know this for a fact, but it's like, if you just shut up five seconds and listen to people around you, like you'll learn something about yourself. Yeah, no, totally, man. And uh, so let me, let me, let me clear something up here. Um, Blood of the old gods. All right. Do you have, you guys have another record coming out or is that the most recent thing that's out with you guys? So, okay. So I guess this also goes back to our, like our history of the band and yeah. where we are at right now. Um, we, our first record, Lord of the New Depression, we came out with in 2019. And then uh, we didn't really get to tour on it because uh, we, we had some personal stuff. We're like, all right, let's get to it like in a little bit. And then COVID happened and everything was basically at a standstill. And so we took a little time and we wrote this album. And we were like, all right, this time, because both albums are self-released. Yeah. Um, this time, when we release it, we're going to actually, you know, we're going to do the PR. We're going to front money and make vinyl ourselves. We're going to, like, really do this like it's a well-oiled machine. Like, everything we've learned from being in other bands or, like, other people in the industry that actually know what they're doing, unlike us, let's, like, let's, let's do it for real. Like, let's make our own little vanity label, but, like, take it seriously so we did that and we came out with blood we you know we, we assembled like a good team of like you know pr people and just like friends who were like down for the cause and just took it like full force and the results were like phenomenal um so i think in like february or yeah maybe like february march something like that i can't remember everything's been like super busy obviously with like you know, touring and whatnot. But uh, we got picked up by Magnetic Eye, who, uh, you know, they're they're a little more stonery, a little more doomy than us. But, you know, we seem to fit. And they were like, we want, uh, we want to pick you guys up. And we also want to re-release the album uh, on, a, on a label with worldwide distribution. And uh, so that is what is happening right now with Blood. It's coming out again through Magnetic Eye, through a re-release on uh, a label that's not just ours. Oh, I see. The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for in all intents and purposes, like the album was a success for us, especially. Like it's taken us to a lot of really great places. All of a sudden, you know, a couple of years ago, like we just couldn't get anyone to listen to us or to really like sell much stuff and you're like banging our heads against the wall. Like what, how, how do we really like take this further? And then uh, we just did this, we did everything what I think, you know, correctly this time. And it turned into this thing where it was like, uh, we made vinyl, for example, with our own dime. And we we're like, we're gonna be sitting on these forever. And it turned into this thing where we sold out of pre-orders almost immediately. And then the first tour that we did having the vinyl in hand, which is with you guys. I think we sold out for good, like the third night of it. Wow. That's so, great, man. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I, I mean, we're super, super humbled by the experience. I think like instead of getting a big head, which I think is a pretty easy trap to fall into, we were just like, you know, this is like, 
this is cool. People are actually appreciating it. And now we have, you know, people like we have a manager, we have a booking agent, we have a label. We never had those things before. It was like, these people are, you know, they, they trust us and our music enough to like back us now. Right. Like they're like helping us assemble a team. Like let's really, let's make them proud. And like, let's, let's do this all to the best of our ability instead of just being, yeah, dude, we're the best. <laughs> Well, we share management, actually, the uh, the great Mark Vieira. Yes, very, very cool guy. Very cool guy. That was definitely a good move, man, because he's, um, he's, he's, he's an excellent behind-the-scenes guy for sure. You know, he really is. And, and uh, something, you know, that I, I had always sort of, like, not really wanted to get totally, like, you know, in the industry. And I was like, if I can do it myself, like, I might, I may as well. Um, but then we got to a point where it was like, all right, we, we could, we could afford to have someone on the team to sort of like take us to the new, next level and like guide us. And I really like Mark, like as a person, which I think is also important because we didn't want to work with anyone that, uh, we didn't like actually like, you know, just for business. Cause sometimes it is just business. And that's been stuff in the past that sort of turned me off from, you know, really getting heavy into the industry but this time around it's like everyone we're working with like we like as people which i think is a great thing which i also know might sound weird to a lot of people who you know don't really know how like the industry works but there's a lot of assholes in, in the bad sense not the good sense that we were talking about earlier. oh but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah mark and mark the other thing too mark is even though he's out in la he's an east coast guy he's from massachusetts you know, he's from he's from the um, from the New England area. You know, yeah. which is another flavor of uh, of jerk uh, slash asshole that differs slightly from the New York New Jersey asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, like the other great thing about him is like he just like tells you how it is, and yeah. I feel like I need someone like that because you know, in the band, it's sort of like my like my I'm very focused on sort of like let's let's do it like by the book whereas the book is really we wrote the book for our band but uh very like straightforward and stuff I'm like i don't need some guy like sugarcoating shit and sort of like stepping around like the issue or something like that like i just want someone uh to be involved with us that really knows his shit and is gonna be like all right here's here it is the, like take what you want with this information here's how i feel about it what are you guys gonna do and stuff like that i super i'm really appreciative of yeah, just anyone out there who's listening, who's like, oh, these fucking guys are talking about their managers and all this bullshit, they're fucking jerk-offs. It's like, well, you know, the reality is like when you start operating with certain organizations, you know, and I, and I foresee this happening for you guys at some point, you kind of need to have a manager. Like when we were on Metal Blade, uh, there's no possible way that I would have been able to um, to deal with those people directly because I just didn't have the experience to... Uh, to deal on a professional level, you know, not because I don't work hard or not because I don't, you know, understand things or whatever. It's, there's just a certain thing that goes on that as a band guy, you don't have that experience. It's like, if you're a plumber and someone's like, all right, I want you to like, uh, you know, weld this pipe or something like that. You know, it's like two yeah. different, two different fields, you know? Yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I just want to play my guitar and like hang out with my friends. Like yeah. we'll work hard, but I don't, I don't know what really goes into it. 
that's why I thought it was like a miracle that, you know, we tried to sort of not fake it, but copy what a bigger label would do for our album. And it was like, holy shit, it actually worked. Ah, that's great to hear, man. I'm happy about that. So now you guys have another tour coming up, don't you? Yeah, we're going out with Acid Witch. Um, I think that starts like uh, May, May 9th, May 9th. Okay. Super excited about that. Yet again, the, the past three tours we did, um, they've all been with bands that we've listened to for like years, which is sick. Because like I said, we went from not really having anyone that like listened to us or, or really cared to be like, oh, now we're touring with bands that like we're like big fans of. Like, this is awesome. I've played with them before. We played with them in Holland at um at Roadburn Festival. That was cool. That was the first time I'd seen those guys. And then we played with them uh, out in the woods in Maryland at that uh, what the hell is it called? Like that um uh midnight darkness or whatever. You know, that's like uh uh she's gonna bum out that I forgot the name of the festival, but it's like under the moonlight of the decrepit i don't know some some like camping heavy music you know in the middle of the woods thing it was uh we played with them there it was outside it was cool they're nice guys man i like those dudes and um they have like uh they covered a celtic frost uh song from the cold lake era which is ballsy that's that that that's a bold statement man and i i i back that record honestly man you know it's uh it's a solid record even though it's a little bit different than what you're used to hearing from frost and i i salute those guys for taking that on to be honest oh yeah especially like the time period that they did it on wasn't it it was like early 90s right yeah it was it was um <laughs> uh i would say late 80s probably because that's oh, kind of like it? yeah like celtic frost was like going through a little bit of an identity crisis during that period of time it was like if I remember correctly, the time frame, it might have been a few years after glam was like really big, like cock rock style shit was like breaking. So they were yeah. a little bit behind the curve on that. And then they put out this record, Cold Lake, which is like straight up like L.A. glam as much yeah. as like Tom Warrior could do that kind of thing. And there are there are part that record, I think, is actually pretty good if you can not look at it and compare it to like Morbid Tales or something, you know? Yeah, well, that's why I thought it was, like, early 90s, because I knew that they did it, like, it It was weird. It wasn't like they were hopping on a trend. It was like they had, like, Windows Explorer and, like, just found out about this brand new <laughs> style of music. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, no, I, like, I agree. Like, that's not my favorite Celtic Frost album. I would never say that, but I respect them for doing it. If anything, I would say maybe monotheist that's um, a solid record yeah. mainly just because when it came out i got to see them on that album and they played a lot of those songs and if also if i remember correctly i know that they were tuning their guitars way lower and i think that they ended up playing a lot of like into megatherion and and songs of that era in a lower tuning yeah and i was like holy shit this is awesome yeah, they they were in like almost like a seven string like a a standard tuning on the, on those um on that record. So just for the records, just to set it straight, uh, Cold Lake came out in nineteen eighty eight. Gotcha. Yeah, 
So, uh, yeah, that's September 1st, 1988. Genre, heavy metal, glam metal. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, man, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like props to them for trying new stuff. Totally. And it did, like, it's always been that sort of black sheep of their album. You really don't get many people saying positive things about it. I don't think it's ever been reissued either, which is like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all their other records have been reissued. There's all these like, you know, deluxe editions and except for that one. Yeah, yeah they're like, oh, Cold Lake. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's the other Celtic for Celtic Frost. That's Celtic Frost, yeah. not Celtic Frost. Yeah. So how long is this tour that's coming up with Acid Witch? Is like full U.S. or what's the story with that? Um. Okay, so that. It starts in Chicago and it ends in Tennessee. Uh, I think it's it's like seven or eight, maybe nine days, something like that. I they're doing it um, around Levitation Fest, I think, which is in. I think that's the fest, or oh no, Oblivion Access. I don't know. We're not on it. Um, that's why I don't know what it is. But they're doing it around that tour, and then we are playing a hardcore festival in Richmond on the 20th. So yeah, the tour with acid, which ends on like uh, the 15th. And uh, obviously we're from New York and it ends in Tennessee. So we just have a couple dates in between sort of like fill the space uh, before big takeover fest. That's the fest in in Richmond that we're playing. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's not too long. Uh, we haven't done anything like super long since, uh, you know, the world sort of opened back up again and things are like way different right now. Like I couldn't even, I wonder how a uh, full us in this day and age would be, but hopefully we'll get there soon. You know, we're trying to hit everywhere and just play as much as we can. Well, you got, you guys had done something with black tusk, I think, right? Yeah. So we did something with them in, early december and uh that was just that was totally awesome that was like our first real dedicated we did a tour in um october with this this band called bather um but it was definitely like more like diy like hardcore punkish type thing because you know we'll play anywhere right uh so the black dust thing was our first real exposure getting back to playing like more like legitimate shows um at like venues you know not just and and like i said there's nothing wrong with playing wherever because we still do it all the time like we'll play floor shows we don't give a shit we'll play vfws we don't care um but yeah the black dust tour to you know every night have like a pretty decent venue is also a huge change of pace for us and have more consistent shows and that tour was really awesome because, like I said, um, we're three for three with tours with bands that we really like and, act, you know, we listen to actively. So that was a great time. Absolutely a great time. Well, even on the last tour that we did, we had a DIY show because there was that one show that fell through and we ended up playing it uh, in Greensboro. Uh, Greensboro at, oh, yeah, that's right. At that space. That was an awesome space, by the way. That was one of the more. That was a fun night, man. I had a good time that night, and um, yeah, that was cool. Great bands on the bill, uh, you know, 
cool little spot. And I think everyone that came out was was uh, excited, and uh, everyone had a good time. I think at that show. Yeah, it, it, that was one of those things where it's like that venue, like it was like dirty, smelled like beer, you know, maybe piss, who knows? And it was like awesome. It was like this is great. I feel like I'm in like, you know, someone's basement in like high school. We're all just like partying again, you know. I we, love stuff like that. We had actually played. Uh, there, not that space, but there's an, there's another space that was literally right down the block. And as soon as we showed up, the dude that was doing the show reminded me that he'd seen us at another venue that was right down the street. And, um, and I was, I didn't realize that until I actually took a look around and I was like, oh yeah, this is, we parked the van in the same space that was maybe a hundred feet down the road. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, this is the same neighborhood right on. Did you guys get tacos that show? Uh, the 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 one that um, the like Greensboro this, show that we just played. The other guys did. I did, I didn't get tacos. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that that was the conversation of the day because every band ended up like going to this like taco spot and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> nah, I'm I'm like a sissy on the road, man. It's like I don't I don't. You saw me walking around with my bag of apples and pecans. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, you know, I'm like I got I take care of myself, man. I, I, I every now and then I'll throw down and I'll get like something you know horrible to eat. But like, you know, I, I drink a water, eating apples. You know me, yeah. man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm like a jerk off like that, you know. No, but I, that that's <laughs> that's the smart way to go about it, you know. Because every tour, me and the guys are like, all right, this time we're not gonna eat like shit. We're gonna like work out. We're gonna be healthy. And then on the second day, it's like, oh my god, I'm sick of eating fast food already. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, man, I, I'm good. I'm good for a, a Denny's meal. You know that that's pretty cool. I, you know, I like I love Denny's, and and it saddens me to hear that as a result of the uh, quote unquote supply chain issues, that Denny's menu has taken a hit. Because Todd was telling me when he was out on tour with on the Cannibal Corpse tour, he was working with Revocation, that of course they hit Denny's, and he was like. The food was shot. It wasn't like the normal level that you would get at the Denny's across the nation. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm sad. We'll see how it is when we go out in May. So <laughs> condolences, dude. Yeah, it's funny the, um, whole, the whole Denny's thing with me. It started after I got sick. I got food poisoning on one tour twice from eating at some greasy spoon like truck stop in the middle of nowhere. On the same tour, I, I got poisoned twice. So I just, I'm like, you know what? For now on. Denny's is clean. They have like a certain corporate standard with their food. So I'm just sticking there, you know? Yeah. That, that's, that's a good point. Uh, this tour, we tried to, you know, in, instead of eating fast food, like I was joking about before, I was like, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to eat like total crap. Like <laughs> I, I would rather get like, if there's like a cool restaurant in town, like, you know, cause in the early days, you know, especially like, you know, when you're younger and you have absolutely no money, it's like you can't afford to like really eat anything like satisfying. Oh yeah, totally, man. So this run, we tried to like, if there's a cool restaurant in town, we, we went there, you know, instead of just, you know, the usual, like, Oh, we used to call um And I, I don't even care about saying this these days because I'm not scared of them saying no to anymore because I don't think they do it, but we would call Chipotle um and we would say like we're in like an international touring band yeah and 
we're on the road and Mark would always do it. He had like a script and Mark, our bassist, um, he had like a script and he would go through it. And sometimes he'd be like, yeah, you know, like we're a Christian band. We're like, whatever we could do to like grease them. Yeah. Uh, we did a DIY tour in January, a couple, couple years back. Okay. It was 18 days long. We ate Chipotle 17 days for free. 17 days. It worked all like we would have to call literally like five or six Chipotles in the state sometimes where we were going through. Wow. That's actually a really good angle to use, man. So um, I never thought to do that. Uh, damn. Do you have to say yeah. that you're a Christian band? I don't know. Like we just thought yeah, we, it's sort of like if it was in like the Southern, you know, or like the Bible belt type places, we would just try and, you know, if it wasn't working our angle, you know, and we were on like the third Chipotle in the area. <laughs> we tried, <to> stop it. <laughs> but we were like, we were like, dude, we are, we are, this our goal. We're eating Chipotle every single day, and we're not paying for it. Like we're gonna find a way. And then the last day, Chipotle didn't work, and we were about to give up. But then Mark comes through with, uh, he got free Domino's, so that worked, and we didn't pay for food that tour, and that was awesome. See that that that's that's real ingenuity, man. That that's good forward thinking. I, I can do. I I definitely salute you guys for that. But I won't eat Chipotle anymore. I wasn't sick of it that tour because we were hungry and I didn't want to spend money. But now when I eat it, I'm like, dude, I've had enough Chipotle for one lifetime. I fuck with Chipotle. It's um, uh, I never really ate there before until we recorded our we did we recorded two records with Eric Rutan down in uh in Tampa, or actually St. Petersburg, and um. That was like, uh, first of all, Eric is a fucking connoisseur of, of cuisine in that area. So we ate in all these like cool spots, like these like really excellent, like fresh fish, catch of the day stands and all that. But for like the later evening, he was a big fan of Chipotle. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll try this out. And actually, I, I was pretty satisfied with Chipotle, man. And But, you know, if I ate it to the extent you guys did, I'd probably be sick of it. So, you know, maybe we'll see. <laughs> it's not bad you know what it was i figured out, i kept getting like heartburn like bad oh, yeah. and then i realized it was like the white rice they have like this mixture of i think it's like lemon lime or something they like coat it in okay and like all that acidity was just like getting to me so that's just like whenever i go to eat chipotle i remember like super bad heartburn but on that tour i remember like because like i said we were just like broke and just trying to save money and still you know not go hungry I thought we were going to be super sick of it on that run. And I remember sleeping on someone's floor and like, I didn't even have a sleeping bag at the time. I don't think I like, I just forgot to bring it. Cause we were like idiots. I'm just sleeping on this hard floor, like going to sleep, just like dreaming about like, Oh, what should I get at Chipotle tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You talk about God and Christianity and stuff in the Midwest. And it's like, I remember back a few years ago, man, like, Christian hardcore was like this huge thing. You know what I mean? And like, no matter what, even if you were like not a Christian hardcore band, you might find yourself on a bill with these people, you know? And yeah. uh, before, before being in tombs, I was in a band that wasn't necessarily a hardcore band, but we would play a lot of these hardcore shows and, you know, we were like a different thing. And, uh, on one particular stretch of dates through the Midwest, it seems like every single show was the headliner was like a Christian band. And I remember 
thinking to myself, I'm like, how come everyone's like waiting outside, man, when we're playing? It's like, why are these kids not like us? And then, of course, we'd finish playing, you know, with our like satanic like band logos and evil music and everything. And this other bunch of guys would come in and they would start off with like the word of God and the place would be packed with fucking kids. And I was like, damn, it was like some scary like cult experience, you know? Yeah, thanks a lot, Striper. Look what you did. <laughs> one one of the funniest things on on that from might even have been that same tour. We were we were traveling through like South Dakota, and uh, I remember it was South Dakota definitely. And uh, we were stopped at um at a rest stop, and I was checking the fluids in the engine, so I had the hood up. And then like when I put the hood down, there was this girl standing there, beautiful blonde you know just nice midwestern stock right and she's having a conversation with me she's like oh hello you know i'm like hi you know and i'm like why the fuck is this girl talking to me you know she's got like a pearl necklace on and shit like that and i'm like of course christianity she wanted to she probably figured i was this lost soul wandering across the wastelands of south dakota <laughs> and it offered me some condolence by by some christian literature fucking weird world right yeah actually uh when, when we did a record release in amityville new york of all places there was a guy i i wish i got one because i was so curious but i didn't he was handing out heavy metal bibles in front of the venue to everyone <laughs> and, and heavy metal I, I, is that a different type of bible or like what, what? I, I don't know i don't i i didn't pick it up i should have because i was like super busy that night like running around like talking to a bunch of my friends that I haven't seen in a while. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think Gusmo may have gotten one. I got to ask him what it was all about, but yeah, Long Island of all places. So like those people aren't even just, you know, condensed to the Midwest, but it is way more common there. Obviously. That'd be sick. If it was like, you know, thou shalt kill, thou shalt cover thy neighbor's <laughs> wife. You know, that, like that, Thou shalt adulter, you know, thou shalt rock. <laughs> It was like all this, like, thou shalt put the Satan horns up. You know, that would be awesome if it was that kind of, like, heavy metal Bible. Yeah, right? I don't think it was because I know he was saying something about the word of God, but, damn, that would be funny. Yeah. Well, speaking about uh, evil and uh, Satanism and stuff like that, uh, you also mentioned to me that you're a horror writer. Yes. Uh, I used to – I haven't done it in a while, but I was a freelance writer for a number of years. Uh, mainly doing, you know, like horror and, and sci-fi, you know, like reviews, reporting on news, just like getting into like the nitty gritty of things. And then, of course, uh, COVID happened. And uh, a lot of those places I was writing for, they couldn't afford to pay anyone. So they were like, we could just keep on, you know, a couple people who could uh, write for free and stuff like that, which I don't have a problem with. But, you know, I, I was like, you know what, Let, let's just... Uh, let's just take a step back. The whole world's on pause. You know, I've been hustling for years, like, you know, working pretty hard with the band and freelance writing is not easy to get like gigs, you know? Yeah, so, I, I do um, know that because I used yeah. to do the same thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, let's just take a step back and, you know, take a little break from everything. So I haven't really gotten back into it. It's been like two years now, but uh, one of these days... I what what were some of the outlets that you worked for? Um, 
I I wrote for a site called iHar, which is like the biggest one. Right. Um, which is it was pretty cool. Like, I really like reporting on news and just like I'm a guy that like I like to know what's going on. You know, I don't care for gossip or anything like that. But when it comes to like stuff that I'm interested in, like entertainment, like music, like I want to be up to date. So I would do like a lot of uh, news stories for them. Uh, I remember I broke the website uh, one time because uh, I reported on Rob Zombie filming the sequel to Devil's Rejects. Um, I don't know if I should be telling the story, but I guess I will. But I I, uh, I was in uh, the no, shower. No, one, no one's listening, man. You can tell. <laughs> <a story. laughs> I I was in the shower and uh, I you know I got right out and I just checked my phone and uh, I guess like Instagram was open or something and it was a post from like rob zombies official account that was like you know it says like it's so soon so like 12 seconds ago or something like that uh it was just like a picture of like a director's chair and, and it was like free from hell uh you know production started i was like holy shit so I, I i i was completely naked just ran through the house to get to my computer reported on that and i guess like everyone was so like excited about that movie because everyone seemed to like the devil's rejects that that day the website crashed because wow. it got too much traffic so i was pretty proud of that one and pretty proud that i did it naked too so <laughs> great man <laughs> what as a fan what are your thoughts on rob zombie's material a film not music <laughs> um he gets a lot of flack um and i i guess i understand some of it i think his later movies are really bad I hated 31. I hated Three from Hell. Um, but I love House of a Thousand Corpses. I absolutely love that movie. It was just like gross, dirty, annoying in like the best of ways. Same thing with like Devil's Rejects. Like that's like a, a pretty gritty movie, especially like to be able to see in theaters. Um, I don't mind the Halloween remake because I don't see it as part of the canon so to speak um looking back i can see a lot of the complaints a, a little more clearly but when it came out i was just happy to see a new halloween in theaters that was you know at the time super gritty um so i, I i'm a fan of his earlier stuff i really am i know that's not like the most popular opinion in the horror community these days but um and I even liked, uh, I, I like Lords of Salem. You know what it is for me? Rob Zombie, it's like junk food. And in, in this world of A24 uh, style movies, I can go for some junk food these days, as long as it's done well. I could dig that. I, I, um, I don't like any of his recent movies, but uh, Lords of Salem is very rewatchable like i actually that's my favorite of his movies actually it's a great movie yeah. it's a great movie it's, it's a, the most different out yeah. of his movies i would say as well it's very abstract in a way that makes a little more sense than like halloween 2 just made no sense that movie i'm not really a big fan of i just couldn't get with it but uh i'm happy you said that too because that's another movie like when it came out like most people i know that watched it they were like this movie sucks this movie's garbage and i was like i don't see where anyone where you guys are coming from like 
wh where's your argument on it? Like, what sucks about it? Just tell me. No one could ever tell me. <laughs> and that's yeah. what bothered me about it. Like, if you can't tell me what you don't like about a movie, then, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the thing I liked about it, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like, European-style horror, like the Italian films, and, and that to me was like his homage to like Dario Argento and like Michele Suave and all these other, you know, filmmakers. Um, my, the, when I do another podcast, a horror podcast called Necromaniacs with um, my longtime friend, uh, Mike Scandato and my other longtime friend, friend, uh, Jeff Kashid. And Mike and I, like I used to live in Brooklyn and, you know, Mike still, you know, he's a, born and raised like he's never going to leave Brooklyn he uh he and I used to go see almost every Rob Zombie movie like when it came out in the theater and I remember we saw that at the uh, 12th Street Cinema and uh and, like there was like three people in the theater and I remember leaving the theater and just being like you know I like that movie man and like generally I didn't like any of the earlier films but in retrospect especially seeing kind of how like like declawed everything is uh with with horror these days i i I, I appreciate his other films you know yeah it, it's funny that you say that like declawed uh with a lot of horror movies these days because i i definitely almost feel the same way it's sort of like i mean maybe this sounds like i'm just trying to be edgy but um I also brought up like A24. Like, I'm a fan of a lot of those movies, but I don't think they're as like revelatory as everyone is making them out to be. Like, some of that shit just bores the hell out of me, man. Yeah. Like, I like. I don't know. There are people like singing the praise of like Robert Eggers, like he's you know the second coming of Christ, but they don't know who someone like. And this is gonna sound really elitist, but like. Screaming Mad George is. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the special effects guy from uh, uh, Society, the guy who did all yeah. that stuff, and uh, and yeah. Reanim Reanimator Two and all that. Yeah. Yeah, like I love the like, just like you. I want that experience. You know, I want to walk away like, wow, what the hell? Like, like the you could tell movies back then, people that were making it were just having so much fun. I love watching behind the scenes stuff with like. K and B effects group, um, or Alec Gillis's uh, effects. I forget what it's called. Um, and just seeing like the props being made, and uh, you know the whole crew, like they're just having a blast. You know, it, it's nothing too deep, and there's nothing wrong with getting deep. But it seems like all the big horror movies that everyone is talking about these days is like people are like they're films, you know. It's like, all right, whatever. Fuck a film. Like, I want to watch Maniac Cop or something, you know? Yeah, I, I well, yes, I agree. Um, one thing I got to say about Robert Eggers, I, I saw The Northman last night, and that was fucking epic, man. I got to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that yeah. one. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to just be, like, edgy and saying, like, oh, I hate anything A24, because that's not true. I don't. Um, I'm excited for the Northman. I also just saw uh, Ty West's X, which yep. I thought was great. That's another but great one. That just that was like a meme movie, you know. It's like what I wanted these days. Nothing super deep, 
it was just like a fun, uh, I get like I guess you could call it like maybe a modern day slasher. And you know, it was mean. People got killed. Um, the effects work was great. Um, and like on that same topic, like I I thought the lighthouse is great. I like the witch. I I'm not against Robert Eggers. I'm also not against you know like Ari Hess like. I liked Hereditary. I thought Midsummer was extremely okay. Um, <laughs> but to me, it's just sort of like all the movies that are being hyped don't excite me as much because it's like, ah, I, I, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like a lot of the times, like, let's just put it this way. When I was really like writing pretty hardcore for like a lot of those sites, I would end up writing, well, sorry, watching like three movies a night, you know? staying up to like 5 a.m. just like having fun like this is awesome exploring this like whole like what seemed like an underground world and it just seems to me like the mainstream of horror these days is getting a little too um i guess you could say art house but i don't even agree with it being art house i just find a lot of it maybe pretentious and a little bit boring yeah no, I, I i do i i totally I agree with you. I think that there needs to be a balance to like the higher concept stuff that's out there. You know, and I, I appreciate a lot of that stuff, man. I mean, I liked Hereditary. I disliked uh, Midsummer. I thought it was boring. I thought it yeah, was like so too, too long. And apparently there's like a longer cut available right now. Um, you know, and, and I, I like stuff like The Black Coat's Daughter. And all that stuff's great, you know. But, oh, that movie's great. Yeah. But I want to see like just a, a fucking movie about some deviant guy like killing people or something you know what i mean like that's kind of like i want to see that as well you know some wild ass like film you know yeah i i, I mean like movies like that like you know once again i'm really not just trying to hate on all of it just for the sake of hating on it but like it, it when every movie is sort of i i think ari aster seems to know what what he's doing to an extent, but you get a lot of, uh, you know, Ari Aster knockoffs these days where it's like, oh, it's a slow burn. It's like, this is not a slow burn. This is fucking boring. Just call it like it is. This is a fucking boring movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard because, like, I, I, I think the bigger thing that really always appealed to me about horror is that it's, it's an escape from the real world. It's like right. this, you know, it has a lot in common with fantasy and like, you know, the big bad monster and stuff like that. But, you know, I really like the, the human ingenuity that went into it. I love like figuring out how they did certain shots or got like certain special effects. Um, and honestly, when the story comes second in a lot of those movies, I don't care because you're having a blast, you know, like, you're having fun. And uh, it reminds me of like being a kid on like a Friday night, like staying up way too late, hoping my parents didn't hear and like uh, turning on uh, a movie in the middle of the night and uh, just like being like excited. I don't really want to see a, a three hour opus every weekend um, that's supposed to have like some sort of deeper meaning. But at the same time, while you're watching it, you have no idea what's going on. And until you read an essay about it in, I don't know, Vice or whoever's writing <laughs> yeah. pretentious shit these days, you have no idea what's going on. 
Yeah, some of some of the stuff I really dug about, like that VHS era, like that you know '80s style of horror films, is just like the wild nature of the people who made that shit. Like they were like adjacent to porno films, really. You know? Yeah, it was trash, and yeah. that's awesome. Like, I, I think there's like a whole push these days for people to be like horror movies are valid. I'm like, dude, I don't care. I want to watch trash straight up. Like <laughs> the prowler is trash. I like that movie. You know, intruder is trash. Maniac is trash. I love those movies. Yeah. Maniac's need... probably one of my favorites out of all those. Yeah. You don't need like worldwide mainstream acceptance for sort of, you know, shock type movies like that. And I will also uh, counteract what I was saying about like, you know, certain movies being too boring and stuff like that and prove that I'm not just being a dickhead because one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Nosferatu from, what is it, 78 or 79? Oh, uh, the, uh, all right. Now, uh, Werner Herzog. Werner, I was going to say, Werner Herzog did did a uh, Nosferatu the Vampire, I think it was what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the way that that movie is shot, because, you know, he's primarily a uh, documentary, I don't know what the word for that. He makes documentaries. Yeah, yeah. And the, the way that he frames it and the way that he tells a story, like I find that to be a very deep and like almost moving movie. But it still captured my attention and my imagination to the like this day where I could watch it time and time again and be like, this is an incredible movie. And it's not just trash. But it, it's also interesting. It's inventive. And it shows... You know, like I said, like human ingenuity without being too into itself. It doesn't get too big for its britches, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Once again, like I said, I, I like a lot of the Italian and European horror films. I think in a lot of ways, those films kind of hit hit a good balance between art and trash. You know? Yeah. Like, for example, oh, yeah. da Daughters of Darkness. You know, like we just covered that on uh, Necro. And... um it's a beautifully shot film, but it's trashy as all hell, man. You know, it's yeah. like this, you know, sexy vampire story, but it's got this amazing score and the, the way the shots are set up are very almost like this film noir like aspect to it. And, and, and it looks great, you know, and it has this brooding atmosphere to it. And um, that that's that's some of my favorite stuff. And like, like the early, the seventies and eighties period of Argento, like all the Giallo films he made just look cool, but they're also super trashy too, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, it's, it's that trilogy for Suspiria sort of the spiritual oh, trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, Inferno, Inferno. Inferno. Yep. I love that movie. I love, and there's, you know, a very artful method to it. Uh, that's leagues beyond, I think, a lot of the, the really popular horror movies these days. An another kind of overlooked classic from that era is The Church by uh, Michele Suave. I don't know if you know, if you've heard that of that film. It's, um, mm. I have it on Blu-ray. It's actually really, really cool. It's, uh, it's like a period piece. It, well, it's, it takes place in two time frames and there's like this evil church and it almost has like this kind of Lovecraft vibe to it. And I don't know, it's just really cool. Is that the movie, like the logo is sort of like the church, it, it like sort of like yellowish and reddish, almost yeah. looks like it's on fire. Oh, okay, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, it's totally trashy, you know? There's yeah. a lot of like sex in it and stuff like that and just creepy stuff, but it's like, 
yeah, it's just that wild Italian like shit. You know, it's cool. Yeah, I I just recently watched. Um, also, I'm the worst with like names and remembering things like that, which is funny, <laughs> considering how much I used to write. But um, I, I just watched this yellow for the first time somehow. Uh, it was, I think it was Argent. I can't remember. Blood Lake or something like that. Blood Lake. Huh. Okay. How was it? I'm completely butchering this right now. Uh, it, it it's a movie like it had like seven different names, right? And it was about like this, like, uh, kind of like this house on a lake. I'm not making sense right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's I mean, the fact that it's got like multiple names is like every single film that came out in Europe. You know that was in the horror genre. <laughs> Yeah, but I believe it was like one of like the mo- like the most renamed movie or something ridiculous like that. I- I'll re- I'll remember it at some point, and <laughs> right, I'll-, right I'll-, I'll I'll get I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. So thanks uh, thanks for joining us, man. This is great, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, your tour stories for your outing outing with uh, Acid Witch, man. It should be cool. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.
down My pillow fell 